Whiskey Bulldogs acknowledges that we reside on the lands of the people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. If you'd like to learn more, go to reconciliation.org.au. Gone direction! Whiteman! What about that climb? Tiny little man just sat on Max's head. To Barney Smith score. Towards goal. Barney Smith as he got the dogs in off Bradley Welcome to episode 11 of the Whiskey Bulldogs podcast, the only podcast for Bevy and Bevo enthusiasts. I am your host, Tim Althred. Thank you for listening. Feel free to share the links to Whiskey Bulldogs with friends, family, and folks that you think could be a potential guest. This episode, I'll review the previous Bulldogs game against the Dockers, and I'll preview the Bulldogs-Magpies game coming up on Friday. So, we'll have reactions to Jamara's coming to form, and analysis of the defense actually holding quite well despite a mixed bag down back. So a challenging game up ahead with the theme of the week being a quote. The people who said it could not be done were so dull. And accordingly, Drama of the Week is the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society 4.319 from Coast to Kiln. And that will all soon make sense. Not a lot in the club news other than club admin things and the injury lists to cover this week. So in the news, Mission will be the major sponsor again for the next five years, who have been the sponsor the last 15, so seen us through Premiership and some great years making finals. On the injury list, we have Harvey Gallagher with a finger injury, who's a test. Riley Garcia, who's a groin injury, is, is a test. And we have Ed Richards coming back from a hamstring injury this week. So we're playing against Pies. We still have JJ with a hamstring injury with an estimated return two to three weeks. And we have Toby McLean who has a lower back issue two to four. Hayden Crozier, hamstring six to eight. And Liam Jones with his forearm injury you can see uh video and photos of him tra- training this week in a cask so he's still running around which is great to see and tim o'brien with a hamstring six to eight weeks i was running around with liam jones and rocksmith indefinite with a foot injury liam jones might make it to the final game of the home and away season against cats which would be a handy in uh but it looks like jj will be coming in Sooner rather than later, might see him against the Bombers or the Giants coming up. And Crozier and McLean, um, their experience might be needed for finals footy and would be handy if they can find some form post-injury. In Whiskey Bulldogs news, Danny Boyd, uh, the podcast, had a shout-out to Whiskey Bulldogs. So 
thank you so much, uh, when they interviewed the uh, great president, Kylie Watson-Wheeler, in their latest episode. So on to the tips. In round 16, I picked against the Tigers at the Gavitoir, but not by the margin that we saw. Uh, no one picked the draw between Sydney and the Cats. But then Crows um, did win against Kangaroos comfortably. The Bulldogs did get the win against the Dockers, and more on that later. Magpies won against the Suns. Port against the Bombers. Blues against the Hawks. Didn't pick Giants winning against the Demons um, and didn't think it would have been so close. It looked like weather was a factor in that match. Saints and Eagles. I was sweating on that one, but Saints did get it done in the end. Last week was good for the tips, but uh, this week presents some good roughies, I think. So round 17, I'm going Tigers to beat the Swans at home by seven points. Magpies will probably be too good for the Bulldogs and would be my roughie of the week. Don't like to tip against my boys, but tipping is a different thing from barracking. Um, but I'm going to throw caution to the wind in line with the theme of the week. Um, tipping the Bulldogs as the roughie after all. Lions will slaughter Eagles at the Gabatoire. Giants at home will win against the Hawks. Demons should get the job done against the Saints. Port will win against Suns. Cats will win against Kangaroos. In a hard-to-pick game, I'm going Crows to win against Bombers. And again, I can see many going Blues for a chance against the Dockers, but I think Blues are just too unreliable. And Dockers are at home this week, so I'm picking Dockers in a close game. Dogs have done it off the bye, winning at Marvel last Saturday against the Dockers. Probably wasn't either team's best game, but uh, most of the game was pretty good, and it looks it was looking like it would go either way. Uh, the game was won with a push in the fourth quarter in a seven-goal hole. Bulldog 16-602 to Dockers 11-773. It's interesting to see the Inside 50 game changing week to week, uh, where we saw Waitman taking the lead and taking the big marks against the Kangaroos. But in this game against the Dockers, it was Jamara who was the star of the show. Jamara was able and allowed to stand out this game, while much of the rest of the team were more subdued, but they were reliable and strong enough to keep the Dockers at bay. There weren't many mistakes or ones that weren't too costly, which was good to see as well. The English-Darcy matchup was great to watch, but was won by Darcy with 50 headouts. But English shared the ruck with Lob during the game, so it seemed to advantage dogs overall. Norton was doing well at half and full forward and stayed there as a second option when most opportunities were given and won by Jamara. Norton did his best in a while in his kicking role, kicking... Two goals and having five score involvements and had some good inside 50s and won some good possessions. Defence looked okay after all the changes and injuries we've had of late. Poulter on debut looked comfortable and confident and had 12 disposals, one tackle, one intercept, uh, 182 metres gained, two inside 50s, five score involvements and one goal assist and his disposal 
efficiency was 83%. Also, recent debutante James O'Donnell looked much better at 8 disposals, 2 tackles, 104 metres gained, 5 intercepts and 1 goal assist. Both spending a good amount of time on ground as well, so great to see. In terms of the breakdown of each quarter, in the first, Bulldogs forwards were getting forward, but they weren't able to get through docker Brendan Cox, who was just intercepting them at, at every turn. But uh, then when we saw another option on the lead uh, in the form of Mara, he was doing great running forward and marking at his chest and then being able to kick from excellent positions inside 50. The defense wasn't really tested uh, until late in the first quarter when Dockers looked a little slow and weren't taking any tackles. But then once Dockers were able to get inside 50, then things evened up uh, at the end of the quarter with two quick goals from Walter and one from Amiss, who was also so important for their team. In the second quarter, the Dockers then reversed the dogs who weren't able to get inside 50 at all. It was even then two goals to the Dogs returned the lead to them, uh, which they held in the final quarter. In the third quarter, it was pretty much the same story as the second. It was kind of a back and forth. In the final quarter, uh, Bulldogs put on Riley West for Mitch Hannon, who we later found out um, had a calf injury. And for Fremantle, Neil Erasmus replaced Nat Fife uh, for his foot injury. And it didn't look like he was having a great time either. Uh, West coming on was an excellent tactical substitution really as well. Uh, he just exploded onto the field and ass assisted in goals and took some great tackles. And I think that performance has then seen him on the permanent list uh, for this coming game against the Magpies. Lobb's goal turned it all around and then the remaining six goals ensued despite resistance from the Dockers. There were no further injuries this week which was nice to see on our side. Jamara got the 10 coaches votes in a MVP performance playing a confident tall forward role he got four contested marks and scored four and two and also assisted in two other goals. The quiet achievers this game were Bont and Daniel. Although the numbers overall looked better for the Dockers mids, Dogs won meters gained and on tackles and in clearances. Bont and Pelly had 27 disposals and 15 contested possessions, five score involvements, six tackles. Trelaw, 22 disposals. Five contested possessions, four score involvements, and 12 tackles. And McRae, 24 disposals, seven score involvements, and eight tackles. Hopefully our mids would fire up for the Magpies game coming up. And more on that in a moment. Coming up on Friday night, our Bulldogs hosting Magpies at Marvel. I'll be going and hope to see you there. It will be a great game and I'm sure well attended. Dogs have won the last two games they met the Magpies in the home and away season. 
this year the Magpies are clearly a different team and have been smashing teams at the last quarter. But of late, Magpies have won well against easier opponents um, like Suns, Eagles and Kangaroos. However, against top eight contenders, they scraped a win against Crows and lost against the Demons. Looking just at recent form, Magpies look a good match against the Bulldogs and my head says Magpies, but the heart says Bulldogs are in for a chance. The Dogs have two ex-pies on their list, Adam Chalor, who's passed 50 games now for the Dogs, and Caleb Poulter in his second AFL game for the side, while Magpies have former Bulldog Pat Lipinski. Ryan Gardner will play his 50th AFL match on Friday. Trelaw took the honours of best on ground last time the Dogs met the Pies for a 48-point win, which got Trelaw the Bob Rose Charlie Sutton medal. Named after former Collingwood 1970-1972 and Footscray 1973, player Rob Rose, uh, the Cup honours his contribution to the sport while raising awareness for people living with disability. In 1974, at age 22, Rose was paralysed in a car accident. He passed away in 1999 with the Robert Rose Foundation formed in his memory, which provides support to those with spinal cord injuries. Since 2007, the Bob Rose Charlie Sutton Medal has been awarded to the player that best exemplifies the qualities that Sutton and Rose became renowned over their careers. Toughness, skill, courage, leadership, teamwork, and sportsmanship. Dogs will also be wearing this year's Indigenous Guernsey for NADOC week once more. I can't wait for the matchup between Mason Cox and English, with Libba as a backup uh, circling the ruck area. If we can take some clearances and hold some possessions, there is a chance, uh, but Magpies will make us pay every time we don't and every time we make a mistake, which will probably be more frequent. Magpies win on disposal efficiency and meters gained. They will be too fast turning around downfield at turnovers. Our defense is unlikely to hold against fast turnover play. The Bont and Daniel can gain meters and are accurate, but will have to go inside 50 to forwards on the run and hitting their chest hard and low. Bombing it up inside 50 will cost us too much at the very least in fatigue against a team that can play five quarters. Ed Rich's coming back is a super handy into the defense and that he may uh, fulfill the role of trying to receive or intercept a pie as they come forward. The matches up will be important uh, to especially defend against Dacos. You'll need fast legs and strength. I could say Ed might fill that role uh, if he's 100%, but um, might not be able to fall through the game. You might have to get West or Scott defending as well against Dacos and other mid Dagoe who's coming back in this week. Maybe Trelaw would be good enough at the moment as well. It would be nice to see Polter do well against his old club. Uh, so should be a good game and I hope the dogs do get this big snag. I don't think either way dogs would lose 
too much heart from losing against the Magpies. And I hope they do continue to fight and fight hard because taking on a team like Collingwood, win or lose, would be great for the season. At the very least, learnings could be made for finals uh, should we make it and will show us that we have what it takes to be in contention. The quote, the people who said it couldn't be done were so dull, was from Pip Hills, who's the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society founder. In relation to his society, he founded in 1983. It's in its 40th year this year. The society started when Pip Hills stumbled upon the delights of whiskey drawn straight from the cask. And his friends shared the whiskey and, and started what is now one of the largest whiskey clubs in the world. Today I am reviewing the Society Cask number 4.319, uh, which is titled From Coast to Kiln. In the label it says, uh, in typical Orkney style, coastal on the nose, then peat arrives on the palate. Single malt, originally from hogs heads, married in this cask. It is from the lightly peated profile of SMWS. And you can read more about the uh, society and how it does its categorization on their website. And it's an interesting read. Um, what they do is bottlings of uh, casks from distilleries all around the world. So what you get is single cask and cast strength straight from the barrel experiences. And what they do is categorize their bottlings by number only. So it doesn't say exactly which distillery each of the casks are from, but you can ha always hazard a guess and you can look up uh, on other websites uh, what people thought the distillery was. And you can see that each bottling is of a limited number. So uh, really limited release uh, stuff that you get from SMWS. This one, the 4.319 is most likely from Highland Park, which interestingly was at the Australian Malt Whiskey Tasting Competition as two of the tastings that we had to guess and again you can on the nose smell this one from a mile away that this is a Highland Park but it's a bit different from what I've been used to um, a lot more coastal and a more uh, fresh on the nose and on the palate um, rather than that kind of salty butterscotchy kind of profile that I've been used to this um, 4.319 was done in Exbourbon Hogsheads uh, initially and in first fill Exbourbon barrels to finish. Aged in total over 10 years, the ABV is 
63.3%. It was one of 237 bottles. So onto a tasting of this one. It's a very pale gold color on the nose. It's very typically coastal and slightly peated, but it has this kind of sweet Highland Park honey nose. It's just really sweet and beautiful. On the palate, you get that Highland Park sweet butterscotch, but it's good quite a different minerally taste um, to this one. So it's a little bit more iodine-y, coastal, um, a little bit more salty, a lot, bit more sea salty than what I'm used to. I think it's because this is a little bit more peaty than what I'm used to with the Highland Park. It's got a beautiful olive oily mouthfeel. And it's, it has that really herbaceous, extra virgin olive oil taste as well, which is interesting. I've never seen that before. And then it has a kind of long and lingering peaty, but not like a dry peat, not like super smoky, just that more coastal peat that you kind of get in Talisca or Alafroig, a bit more iodine-y, like a smoky, smoky olives kind of finish is really really beautiful in the last few whiskey tastings we've heard a lot of tobacco-y and dry spice kind of notes but you don't get any of that because it's all bourbon finish ex-bourbon finish in this one um i will try this one again with a dab of water to see what what changes oh that's the highland park that i know now it's much less smoky and more sweet it's really opened up the honey and butterscotch notes in this one. Mm, amazing. I think this is how I will drink this 4.319 from Coast to Kiln. I think I will just add that little bit of water to bring down the ABV, which is not really harsh in this one, but I think it really accentuates the sweet notes from the bourbon casks a little more. What an experience for this SMWS release. You can enjoy it with or without water and you, you get that change as well. It's really quite something. If you want to have a look at SMWS and have a look at what they do, I, if you're a whiskey fan, I would suggest joining. Um, if you don't mind car strength, then it's definitely worth joining. But if uh, you're not quite sure of car strength just yet, maybe then just pick up something around or have a taste of SMWS at a local bar. Um, there's quite a few around in each city that will have a few of these bottles around. Um, so they're recognizable by their very plain label and their green glass. Um, and they don't look approachable when you first see one. It looks a bit too, I don't know, chemistry-y or I don't know. It does not your usual look and feel of a, of a bottle. It's not one one that relies on marketing on or how, how beautiful it looks, but what's inside is what counts. Um, what's inside this one is probably one of the better society casks I've ever had. 
I had the pleasure of going to the two Edinburgh venues as well as the London venue of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society clubhouses. Then they have all of the bottles um, on walls um, so you can go through and have a few drams uh, when you're there and enjoy a nice meal and learn a bit more about whiskey in general and try things that you've never tried in your life just based on what you feel like. So I'll put a link up to the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society uh, website so that you can have a look around and consider joining if you're interested in whiskey and um, they put on some good events including the tasting competition um, so it's it's worth worth having a look well that's the end of the episode Thank you so much for listening. I've been Tim Alfred and you've been a great audience. To follow socials, Instagram and Twitter, search Whiskey Bulldogs. Send me a message that way or email me or feel free to join and post in the Whiskey Bulldogs Facebook group. I've loved your posts of whiskey, doggies and footy related adventures so far and also love reading your thoughts on Whiskey Bulldogs. Hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast today. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your fantastic podcasts. Search Whiskey Bulldogs. On the Spotify platform, you can even send me a voice message or a question, and you might even get on the pod. I hope to make this pod more about you and what you want to hear. It means a lot and thank you so much for your support and being a friend of the podcast. Go on, pour yourself a wee dram and enjoy the footy. Until next time, cheers, slange, sante, go dogs. (laughs) 